Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. So let's jump back in. So part one of this, we talk all about, you know, the relationships and we're kind of talking about the kind of inception of our traumas and our dysfunctions or our issues, whatever you want to call it. Um, Part two, I really want to get into how do we do the work? As my husband always says, how do we zap this shit? We've heard, okay, cool. Our, you know, formative years set the stage for, you know, our adult lives. And these are the things that are holding us back. And these are the things that are continuing to perpetuate, you know, different cycles in our lives. How do we zap this? How do we fix it? How do we do the work? As (laughs) your book says. (laughs) The work always begins. I'm going to break it down in kind of two steps. I think we could sit on the first step for a little bit. And I've already said the word. It begins in consciousness. It begins in learning how to be present to what's happening now. What is the case in our environment or, or in our relationships? And a lot of people listening might be, might be thinking, well, that's easy. I know what the case is, right? However, a lot of us aren't actually living. Consciousness lives in a particular part of our brain, actually. 
it lives in if you were to tap your skull, um, your forehead. Um, right behind your forehead is where we call it the prefrontal cortex. It's what makes us humans. It's where consciousness lives. It's the fact that we can view our thoughts or kind of think our thoughts, right? It's this idea that we can make sense of them. We have a higher level of thinking and that is in our kind of behind our forehead. The reality for most of us is we're not living from that space. We're not actually fully present to our current environment. We're probably living from a deeper part, more emotional part in our brain that is the autopilot that a lot of us have probably heard about. And I think the stat now is like, you know, somewhere, and I don't even know how you can actually track this, but upwards of 95, 90% of our day, we're not actually conscious to what's happening. We are highly habitual creatures. This is that phenomenon, right? If I drive to work, I'm maybe rehashing the argument I had with my partner that morning, yet before I know it, I've arrived at work. I haven't really tended to the directions or even driving the car, yet I got there. What got me there? My autopilot, my autopilot that knows how to drive a car that's probably taken that same route day in and day out. That doesn't mean that I was, I might be doing something. That's why I use this example, right? I've driven, I've arrived to work, yet I wasn't actually present because I was in my mind. And anytime I'm in my mind, monkey mind, my thoughts, definitely if it's about a past event or a future one, I'm not here right now. And like I said, so many of us, we live life from that autopilot. We're actually not conscious at all. So when we're talking about creating change of any kind, if I want to create better habits that serve me, that can change my emotional experience. And definitely if I want to create change in my relationships, I need to be conscious to what is here now, which means I need to learn how to observe what I'm doing from the conscious part of my mind, not just doing it. I also need to understand that when I begin to drop in to the thoughts that are running through our minds all day long, for some of us, that might even be news in and of itself. Wait, I'm thinking? Some of us are so merged with our thinking mind. We think we are our thoughts. We actually have no separation to understand them to be right the clouds in the sky or the waves in the ocean, whatever metaphor works for you. We don't know what you're talking about because I'm so in my thinking mind. I actually have, I'm lost in thought all day long. I'm absolutely not conscious. I can't see these habits and patterns at all. So the first step in always of creating change is create consciousness. Because when we create consciousness, what we might see in our thoughts is that they're actually not an accurate representation of what's happening now, right? So to use that example of unworthiness, if I, in childhood, didn't have my needs met consistently, so I, because developmentally, I couldn't understand what was, why my needs weren't being met any other way than I must not, must not be worthy of having them met, I probably have created a belief that I'm not worthy. And now I march forward into life with that belief. And what happens then in my thoughts is those beliefs become filters. I, or any of us as humans, we can't take in the full present moment in any given moment. There's just far too much going on. We live in overwhelming existence. So we have a part of our mind that filters out what's going on. And it decides for us what's relevant to what we need to know right now to, you guessed it, keep ourselves safe and what's not relevant. And one of the main things it uses is our beliefs. And it gets filtered through a part of our brain that's called the reticular activating system. So now this idea that I'm not worthy becomes the filter, the lens that I'm putting over everything Oof. that's happening in my environment. And chances are, because we all love to be right, I'm going to find 
or I'm going to interpret or I'm going to assign meaning to whatever it was that happened. It could be anything really as the meaning that I will likely give it because it's the meaning I've given it since childhood is, oh, but of course this is happening because I'm not worthy of anything else. And I'm sharing this as an example of how our thoughts, our beliefs for so many of us are stuck in our past. And if we're not conscious, are coloring the entire experience of our present and coloring it down to our body, right? Because if I'm feeling unworthy in this moment because I viewed or I'm choosing to view, right, my, my partner not responding to me in a timely manner as indication that I'm not worthy of a response in a timely manner, chances are my nervous system is probably going to activate the same way it did in childhood, right? I might become fight or flight. I might distance or detach. And chances are I'm going to do the same thing I did in childhood to tend to it. I might scream and yell at my partner. How dare you not text me back in time, right? Coming from this now activated fight response in my nervous system, or maybe one of my, one of the favorites in my household, I might ice them. I might withdraw. I might say, oh, you're not texting back. No problem. I don't need you anyway. You might not get a text back from me, right? So I probably will do the same thing I did if I'm not aware and my body's going to go into that reaction and I'm going to cope with it the same way I always did back to consciousness. If I'm not aware that all of that was happening behind the scenes and I, you can actually become aware of it by beginning to practice how to be conscious. Wow. So one of the things that's popping into my head right now is I'm just feeling the overwhelm of people listening who maybe in the first part heard so much of themselves. It's like, Oh my God, that's me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. And then we live in a time where, you know, we can click, click, click and things are at our door in two seconds. Anything we want is here. Amazon. Thank you. Um, Domino's, whatever. Um, but we we live in a time where we just want that quick fix and we're used to it. And so when you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. Like there's a side of me that's like, I wish there was just a place we could just check into for a week where they would just fix all this shit. Can we just go somewhere and just fix it? Because it's holding us back from everything that we want. And it just seems like, like a mountain. It's like climbing Mount Everest to try. And so I think a lot of us just don't try because we're like, what's the fucking point? And, and I want, I don't want that for us. I want us to know that, 
there are tangible steps we can take or there's a place we can go to or, you know, because one hour a week isn't going to do it. It's going to take eons and eons. Listen, I've been doing this for five years intensely, okay? Five years intensely, I'm still having breakthroughs. I'm still having aha moments. Some of them are like aha moments I had three years ago that I forgot I'm rehabbing them now. And, and I've made progress for sure, but I've devoted my life to it. And it's still a lot. I can only imagine what it's like for the everyday person who can barely just get to their recliner at the end of a day and, and try to like watch an hour of television before they go to bed and have to do the cycle all over again. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And a lot of us do ourselves a disservice when we, you know, kind of attempt the, uh, from top to bottom, you know, life overhaul, you know, we, some of us vary in a very well-intentioned way, do have an idea of what's not working, do create an action plan. I mean, we're getting ready as crazy as it is to enter the new year. The new year is a great time where we like to come up with 10 new things we want to do. Um, and again, because what we're going for here is the things that we now begin to do consistently, we're likely not going to be able to maintain doing those 10 things, right? Those of us that go on retreats and have life-changing experiences, it's only a matter of time usually where we come back and the slippage starts. We go right back to those familiar patterns because the resistance was there. It's so unfamiliar. The newness now of this life, doing 10 new things each and every day, overhauling it from top to bottom actually creates a lack of safety in myself. It feels so unfamiliar that the only way I know to grasp back that safety is to return to those habits and patterns that once served me. So, or hear me. the old muscle is stronger than the new muscle yes. you're building. Yes. And it will be, and it's going to be that those patterns are for many of us ingrained since childhood. It's what's been rehearsed practice and now lives in our subconscious. So that pull is so, so strong and, and new choices need that consistent, you know, patterns need to make new choices need to be made consistently to be made into a pattern, to be able to form those neural networks, to become the new habit. So the first practical piece I want to talk about is, and I speak about this concept often is not doing 10 new things, beginning a practice of one small daily promise setting the intention for the foreseeable future to make and keep a very consistent promise, whatever it is for you, what would be the first step on the journey? I'll give you a suggestion in a minute, but begin to make and keep just one small 
promise each and every day. Because what we're looking for is that consistency, that overwhelm is real. The discomfort with the unfamiliar will be there. It'll feel foreign. It'll feel new. It might feel unsafe. I might meet deep feelings that are uncomfortable. And yet I still want to set myself up to succeed in making that. Now, the Small Daily Promise suggestion that I can offer to listeners, kind of marrying this concept with consciousness, because in my opinion, that becomes the foundation. Speaking to everyone overwhelmed out there, if you want one tool to bring with you through life to be able to make sense of the million things that are happening or need to happen, it's that consciousness muscle. And the way we can begin to practice it is setting the small daily promise or the intention to maybe create one, what I call a consciousness check-in somewhere in your day. We can use the help of the technology, our phones that most of us walk around with, maybe set an alarm, maybe set an alarm for every day at say 1.30 PM, my alarm will go off and it will be my reminder to check in with my state of consciousness. And the check-in is two steps, simple and easy. When that alarm goes off, and I'm probably surprised because I might not be fully paying attention in that moment, the first thing I want to note is where was my attention? You know, was I lost in thought? Was I rehashing that argument? Was I worrying about the meeting or the, you know, the schedule I have to keep tomorrow? Or was I fully present and immersed in what I was doing now? And if the answer is no, I was somewhere else. I was tending to something else. I was just simply lost in thought. Then we can take the next step and begin to actually activate our a different part of our brain where consciousness lives. Like you were talking about that neural pathway, I downshift into autopilot all the time. So now I need to start to fire up my consciousness muscle. And the way that I can do that in that moment when that alarm goes off, I can focus just presently on my body. Where am I in time, right? I'm sitting in a chair. It happens to be quite comfortable. I can focus on the sensations. How am I feeling right now in my body, right? I feel this table is hard. Maybe I have a little tension in my back. Maybe I have a little sweat, right? How am I being present to what's here, right? That allows us to be conscious. The more we practice that, the more we can be that observer I was talking about earlier of our thoughts. We can notice when I become lost in thought. We might even be able to be a viewer of what those thoughts were and are. And furthermore, how are are those thoughts impacting my body? How is my environment impacting my body? I can now drop down and even be an observer of my physical body and what sensations are present. Is it in a state of safety like we've been talking about? Or is my nervous system activated? You know, is my heart rate up before I know it? Will I become reactive in the way that I always become reactive doing the same thing that I always do? And when we build that foundation of of consciousness, we give ourselves the foundation to go back to, because I think a lot of us are looking for the exact roadmap. I do step one, check. And then I evolve to step two, check. And then I go to step three, check. And before I know it, I've come to some hypothetical end. And now I'm a fully evolved, functioning, healthy human. However, because humans are evolving creatures in and of ourselves, we don't actually know what comes next. Our bodies change, they age, hormones shift, hormones change, our passions, our purpose. We are evolving creatures. So the best way we can set ourselves up is not to look to that roadmap because that roadmap probably will be expired at some point. What, what, what works for me in my 20s probably might not work for me in my 60s when my body is actually physiologically different. Maybe when my relationships are different or my environment has changed in any direction. So the path out of overwhelm is when I have that 
home base to go back to. And consciousness is that home base because when we can be purely present to what's actually happening, we can create space where we don't have to be reactive. Our autopilot won't just determine what happens next. We can then show up in that choice that I'm always talking about. And the choices that we might make might evolve over time with as we evolve. So that's why I'm always talking about consciousness as a foundation, because if you know how to be present to yourself, to your environment, if you can see the beliefs that you're filtering the current experience through and choose, does this apply now? Does my partner not responding in a timely manner really mean I'm not worthy? Or might something else be happening here that I can make a new choice not to scream or yell or not to ice that person? And choice happens again when we build that foundation of consciousness, which can happen with that one small daily promise of that consciousness check-in each and every day. Okay. Consciousness check-in. Got it. I'm going to schedule that. Um, You know, I know that there are some other tools and techniques that I want to get to. But before I get to that, I did watch a YouTube video where you talked about the vagus nerve. And what I found really interesting is I've read all about the vagus nerve. I know about it and I'll have you explain it to everyone. Um, And I know that... um, it's, you know, very important and you'll explain why. But what I didn't realize were the things that you were teaching us to do to calm the vagus nerve were all of the things that people teach us to do in general, but never tell us that it's what it's for. So people are always teaching you, oh, breath work is so important. Oh, yoga is so important. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Cool. Mm-hmm. Breath work. All right. Yoga. No, I don't, it's not for me. Okay. I'll meditate if I can find some time, whatever. But when you understand all of that kind of together, it was like a big aha when I watched that YouTube video. So rehash <laughs> that YouTube video for everybody right now, because I think it's really helpful um, because these are also really great tools to heal that past trauma. Yeah. The vagus nerve is, is an incredibly important it plays an incredibly important function in our bodies. It's essentially the main nerve. It connects our brain stem all the way down to all of the other nerves in our body. It's kind of like the highway um, of communication between our brain, all of our major organs, our gut included. And it's actually the, the sh- we can think about like this, the flip or the switch um, that helps our nervous system shift from activation. I'm stressed and I'm dealing with it to, oh, that threat is over. I'm safe again. I'm back. I'm in peace and I'm in calm. And our nervous systems, again, are present in, in at birth, in child, in utero. We can't control them. We can't regulate them on our own. We similarly need someone outside of us to help us to feel when we're distressed and to help calm our bodies. Like we were sharing earlier when our needs get met, right? We go from stressed to unstressed that develops flexibility or health in our vagus nerve. It allows us to keep dealing with our stress and the stresses in our environment that we'll continue to face and then allowing our body to come back to peace and to calm. A lot of us don't have that resilience, don't have that flexibility in that nerve. Again, because like we were talking about, especially in the first episode, we didn't, we weren't, we weren't taught that we weren't modeled that and we didn't give our. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do snack. Trust me. I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Our body, the experience of going from stress safely and consistently back into peace and calm. So we become, and again, I'm simplifying all of this stuck. Our vagus nerve doesn't actively switch us from stress to downshift us into peace and calm. That's what emotional resilience is. The ability to tolerate stress and all of the other emotions of life, emotions that cause physiological changes in our body. Emotions live in our body. They usually activate our nervous system in one direction or another, and then allows us to return to safety. And like I said, because of our earliest experiences, because that's not what happened, because we weren't given the tools, we didn't have the caregiver who was regulated enough to help us, you or I using our stories, our caregivers were stuck in fight or flight. They never downshifted themselves. So they couldn't help our infant self Mm -hmm. downshift. So our vagus nerve actually never hit those brakes, never said, okay, your stress is over, come back down into calm, allow the body to regulate. And so to speak to your point, some of the things that we might've naturally happened upon in life, like yoga, right? Like deep breathing, like those of us who are crazy and like cold, like being in the cold, there's many different things that can stimulate our vagus nerve. There's even actually pressure points on the body that can stimulate. There's one in our ear. I did a a activation in, in our ear canal that can stimulate the vagus nerve. And the reason why we want to stimulate it, it'll help us make that shift. It'll help us if we're stuck in fight or flight, allow us to downshift into that parasympathetic, that rest and digest state. And then the more we practice that, the more we give ourselves that emotional resilience, our body included. And I'm saying that because our body needs to be included because our physiology has actually been impacted via our vagus nerve. So, yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you hear people say yoga saved my life. And then you go and do yoga and you're like, I hate this. I can't do this. Right. (laughs) Then you're like, how did it save your life? Is it just like an addiction that you got into that? Like now you love, but when you see that yoga is something that calms the vagus nerve or breath work, or, I mean, I made the list of things here. Um, where did I write it? Singing, gargling, um, breathing, all of those things will calm the vagus nerve. And I love just the idea of this like highway and there's a light switch because to me, like all of that just clicked visually, you know, we're always on, but if we want to shut off, boom, you just do one of these things like that clicks for me. I don't know, Kelsey, do you feel like that's different for you too? No, I get it. 
It makes sense to me. Honestly, the thing that I was thinking, I just got really excited and texted Kevin singing. So, <laughs> oh, singing. Yeah. Singing's another one. But I do that. And then I do, I've gotten into the habit of doing the cold shower after my hot shower in the morning because I was convinced my vagus nerve was broken, which I don't know if that's even possible, but I do feel like it's helped me. And I agree with you, Marie, in the sense of like, okay, you can check off all those. You don't need to be like maybe fully fully in or dedicated to one, but you can do all these little things that are going to help. Yeah. So the cold shower is something for the vagus nerve. I didn't realize that. Cold. Yeah. Any, any cold exposure, cold plunge, cold, cold showering. You live in cold. (laughs) I lived in Mm -hmm. upstate New York. So in the cold, yeah, it it activates our vagus nerve. And yes, to speak your point, we want to practice consistently, right? Because there's two things happening. Not only are we giving our body consistent moments to create safety, to go back into that calm, because it does begin in our body. We're doing something on a more psychological level as well. We're empowering ourselves. We're reversing the belief that the world is overwhelming, scary, and I can't do it. I can't tolerate it to another belief, which is actually that, you know what, little by little, right? Not jumping into the deep end. This is where we want to slowly, as we say, widen the window of tolerance, right? Begin to make, to take the cold shower or sing, you know, like I said, one small daily promise of it becomes two check-ins or two cold, whatever it might be. We want to do that consistently because that sends in a signal that we can do it consistently, that we can over time take our body from stress back down to safety and to calm. And then psychologically, we have an empowering experience, an experience that allows us then to walk into the unknown of tomorrow or of a new relationship or of the future that no one else can predict and have that confidence that whatever it is, as distressing, as uncomfortable, as terrible as it might be, I can create safety in my body. And it doesn't, of course, happen overnight like a light switch. It begins, though, in those small daily promises of maybe doing that polyvagal work, of hitting play on that yoga tape or whatever it might be. Yeah, I just think for me, and I don't know if anybody else is going to connect with this, and if you do, share it in the comments, but I do think that you know, you think of a light switch, you, you're using it every day, right? On, yes. off, on, off, on, off. So if I can visualize my body like that and say, oh, I have the power to turn it off. So if I'm in a heightened state, I'm stressed, I have anxiety. Now, I've learned to do these things. Sometimes, like you said, you, you the slippage happens. So I knew when the kettle was like running really hot, stop. Just five minutes, just stop, do nothing. And then everything it calms down, right? Um but now having access to, okay, here are a bunch of things. I can gargle, I can yoga, I can sing, I can breathe, I can take a cold shower or a cold plunge. I can do any of these things or breathing exercises to calm the vagal nerve, to shut that off, and then I'm good. That just is literally so mind-blowing to me, and it clicks so well that I know I have a chance, at least, to apply. Yes. Well, here's a suggestion I will offer you and everyone else who this this kind of thought, this idea, this picture is clicking for, um, begin to practice outside of those moments where you really need it. Oh, right. Don't <laughs> wait for those moments, right. Where your stress is at a 10 mm-hmm. because it's not going to work. One Good of point. two things are going to happen, right. You're not going to remember you're so dropped into autopilot. Your reaction is already, you're already screaming and yelling, right. Before you can even remember that you have this new great tool in your back pocket, right? And chances are your resources are already blown out. Your nervous system is already too activated, right? For that one deep belly breath to actually 
help yourself. So you want to begin to create that flexibility. Uh, if you can even create calm in that exact moment, you want to begin to create that flexibility in times where it's not as stressful, mm-hmm. right? In your day to day where the stress is more minimal and as you become more conscious of yourself, of your body, of your states of nervous system activation, you can almost begin to witness then your body kind of ranching up from a five of stress to a six of stress. And sometimes for some of us that preemptive work, calling it, deciding not to go to that stressful meeting at this moment, because I'm already at a six of stress. If I walk in that meeting and I see someone or someone says something that I don't like before I know it, I've lost control. I'm screaming and yelling and I'm shameful after the fact. So my best suggestion here is to practice, practice often. Don't wait for those times you need it and begin to learn your body because we all have those cues and begin to set up and create your set yourself up to succeed by watching as your body begins to amp yourself up or amp itself up and understanding that you do only have limited resources. You're not going to be able to remain conscious and present and, and keep and make this new choice in the moment if you're exhausted, if you've been stressed for three days, right? If your body isn't getting the nutrients it needs in that moment, the best choice you might be able to make for yourself, if you can, of course, might be not to engage with that stressful event that you might have scheduled. It might be to hit stop. It might be to take some space, maybe delay whatever it is that is stressful in your future to a time when your resources are replenished so that when you walk into that moment, you set yourself up to succeed. You remain as conscious as possible. You remember you have this great new tool, whatever it might be, breath work, if that's what it is for you. And then you can begin to use it in those moments where you really need it because those are the moments myself included, there's still moments where I'm crazily reactive. I say and do things that are incredibly shameful to people that I love very deeply. It's not who I am. I let my body get too depleted and I actually lost control and I didn't have that choice. I didn't have that choice until my body actually got its resources back. Mm, That is the key is not letting yourself get depleted Mm. because that's when you're just not yourself. You're just like all over the place. Um, Sometimes it happens in our minds. Sometimes it's not even the stress of like external things. And I notice this in myself, right? My external world might is more, could be more or less manageable. What for me is kind of the, the tipping point is my internal world in my time away from whatever stressful thing I have to tend to externally. Where are my thoughts And what I noticed for me, and again, I'll marry this all together for those of us in stressful environments in childhood who couldn't, didn't have peace and calm. Chances are in that moment where there isn't the stressful thing to tend to, you create it, you create it in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be sitting on the couch, like I said, throwing the peace signs. No one's around me. I might not have any kind of stress in the given environment or my next appointment might be tomorrow. Yet if I'm sitting on that couch I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it worrying about that appointment is to, that is tomorrow, analyzing the exchange I had with my partner this morning. I'm now actually not sitting in a, on a peaceful couch, right? I've created stress in my mind. So I like to share that because some of us might not have the things outside that are stressful, but our thoughts then become the point of activation. So really understanding what you're thinking and the impact that that has on your body. And I'll be the first to say, I love thinking stressful thoughts. I I love to think stressful thoughts. I like to go look at stressful things when I know they live on the internet and stress myself out. And if I make those choices before I know it, I'm now depleting my own resources. Mm -hmm. So when my partner comes home and I can't remain in my conscious state and I'm screaming and yelling at them, right? It's because I might've not had a stressful day at all. I might've been just lying on my couch, but all my stress lived in my mind. So true. Oh my God. Last night. So funny. I, I went from, okay, we're going to call it a day early and we're going to go to dinner and we're going to have a fun time. We are going to go have a great dinner to, I don't know what happened, but I got involved in so many other little things, little thing here, little thing there. Then we get into bed and I'm like, Hmm, yeah, not going to take the, the supplements I have to take tonight because they might make me sleepy. And if they make me sleepy, I'm not going to be on guard. And I'm afraid something's going to happen tonight. Something is coming. I can feel it. I feel unsafe. I feel like there's going to be a burglary. And I felt it. And this is what I felt. And literally, I left the the melatonin and the CBD right on the table. I'm like, okay, if at some point I feel safe, I'll take it. But I don't feel safe. I have a feeling. I'm on alert now. And at three in the morning, what do I hear? Sirens. There's never in 16 years been sirens on my street. And I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. Holy shit. And so there was some burglary at the corner and the police were chasing, because of course I have all the apps to know what's going on. The police (laughs) were chasing three burglars riding around in their car. And I was like, see, I was right. I fucking knew it. Well, you're bringing some to night times for a lot of us, you know, night times haven't been safe based on either things that have happened or the fact that most of us, you know, even from a young age spent night times more or less alone in our minds. I know for me, nighttime was where I would replay in my bed alone, the litany of concerns. Oh, what is that bang in the night? Is it the robber that I too am expecting? Will my sister, my mom, or, you know, my dad wake up tomorrow, right? The night is where, because we're trying to sleep. So most of us, I mean, now we have cell phones. If we don't have our attention somewhere else, where does it turn to the spotlight of our mind? And that's again, where we can kind of amplify the worry and the stress. Those of us, of course, who have had bad things happen, violating things happen to us at night, then that have that association for some of us, our beds, right? The place where we're ought to be the most safe and the most secure have been associated with the most unsafe, most not secure experiences for us. Um, and then you bring up the apps and I giggled at that. Then it's, you know, <laughs> the world around us and the 
information that we're intaking and how often we're doing it and what is the content of it and how is it making me feel? And this isn't an advertisement and, you know, burying your head in the sand, not to know what's happening in the world around you. How much are you knowing? Mm -hmm. How stressful is it? When are you doing it? A lot of us do go to bed with those cell phones and we're not reading pleasant material. We're not giving ourselves a loving affirmation to sleep to. We're probably on a social app or reading the news. So really being intentional and conscious, here's that word again, Mm -hmm. to what it is that we're consuming information wise and how much stressing our body can be that pivotal shift might be the choice that you make as a listener out there to limit maybe again by one small daily promise limit one aspect of that information you're consuming especially when it's exacerbating your stress yeah for sure what other um practical tools and techniques do you have to help us get out of our body help us kind of do the work and get through this um and then i have one last question for you after that yeah Let's let's talk about breath work. Um, we've already mentioned that. I think breath work can be, I mean, breathing is something we all do naturally. Um, our breath actually for us can be an indicator, can give us a sign of how safe or unsafe our body is. So by simply, I'm going to give us a two-part practice of breath work here. Um, and the first step is just conscious awareness. How am I breathing? Noticing whether you're like many of us, maybe your breath is always a little fast. It's rapid. You know, when you're stressed out, when you have something stressful happen, you know, when you're upset in some way, usually you can notice in your breath. Some of us are always breathing though, very quick, very rapidly. I'm pointing at my chest, very shallow up here. You might even see some of us can maybe even look down now and see our chest heaving when we're breathing like that, just like when our breath kind of escalates or quickens because we're running from the threat at hand, right? That's saying our body, you need to run, run right? And your, your breath is quickened, indicating that you're not safe until your breath calms down. However, if you come to notice that my breath is never calm, I'm always breathing, I'm heaving, or I'm breathing really rapidly from my chest, chances are that that body of yours is continuing to send those signals to your mind that your body isn't safe. And then it's not a surprise that when you have a moment to have a thought, the thought you're having is a stressful thought. That's when we get caught in this feedback loop because your mind is scanning your body. It's using that information to understand what's happening. And when it, when it notices an escalated heart rate, the only thing it can understand is, oh, well, it's because you're stressed. So income, all of the reasons why you either could be or are stressed. The more you think those stressful thoughts, if you choose to hook your attention and travel down the pathway of that thought, Now you're in that cycle we were talking about earlier, continuing your body stress response because you're having stressful thoughts. So first step, become consciously aware of your breathing. How is it in your body, right? Do you notice? And the way you can do that, putting a hand, if you're sitting, if you're laying right now, one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly. I mean, for some of you, it might be very obvious that you're heaving from your chest or you might not even notice yourself breathing at all. Notice. Where's my breath coming from? How quick is it? Can I feel it happening? Right? So the first is that assessment. And those of you are like, wow, I'm breathing really fast. You might even feel your heart rate. If your hands near your heart, like my heart is pounding breath, quickening and heart rate quickening usually go hand in hand. My body is stressed. It's not safe. The breath that we're looking for, if you are kind of in that sympathetic fight or flight, I'm stressed out response is we want to begin to do two things we can do for ourselves. We can teach ourselves how to breathe from our belly. 
When you breathe in and you can actually feel that bottom hand inflating and deflating. And for a lot of us, even that motion will be difficult. For me, when I first began, because much of my body reflected my stress, it began to be tense, to be hunched. Mm -hmm. My shoulders are very kind of right curled over, hunched over. That was, I couldn't actually access my belly at all, not from sitting. So I began to practice laying down, whether it's before bed, when you first wake up or just laying on your couch or on your floor. For me, laying my body was the only way that I could actually begin to practice. This is might sound silly to people practice breathing. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Being intentional, right? Really feeling that deep belly inflate and deflate. And the reason why we're looking for our belly in particular, as opposed to our chest, remember chest is shallow. I'm stressed. Belly is activating that parasympathetic, that vagus nerve. It's flipping that light switch, right? Another way we can begin to do it is by elongating our exhalation, right? Making, taking, making it two times as long to exhale as I take to inhale. So on the natural flow of breathing, right? If I want to breathe into a count of two, one, two, I'd breathe out to a count of four, one, two, three, four. That elongation, that longer exhale is that sends that same signal. It sends a signal to your body that stress is going away. You can calm down. And again, that calming of the body will send those signals to the mind. And then there's vagal breathing, which I believe is a version of what you just did, but you hold your breath at the top, right? Can you explain there's, that one? There's, there's a, there's a many different breath work types. Um, I talk about the belly breath and the elongated breath because the goal is to practice as consistently as possible. And those are two things that you could be doing when you're having a conversation with someone in front of you and they don't even need to have to know, right? Other breath works. Yes. Where you maybe you breathe in, you hold for however many seconds and you breathe out. There's box breathing where you, right? Breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, right? There's many different ways you can even do an activating breath. If you're that person who has no energy, who feels so flat, who's stuck in that shut down, you can do a Wim Hof method of breath work where you actually want to be breathing from a very activated chest-based way. It looks like that, very quick. Um, So there's actually breath work that can regulate your nervous system in whatever direction it is. Like I said, I always shout out the belly breath um, and the elongated breath because a lot of us are in that stressed out body. We can do that anytime, anywhere. And if Mm -hmm. our body isn't constantly stressed, it's going to be stressed the next time. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. We 
encounter stress or an emotion, our body will activate. So those are very helpful tools though. Like I said, the more conscious you become, what state is my nervous system stuck in? Then you can begin to experiment with all different types of breathwork practice. I mean, now there's even breathwork practitioners. You can be in a breathwork group, Mm -hmm. you can get a breathwork coach. Um, So however it is for you to supplement or support your journey, um, my interest is always in what's the most maintainable. What can you commit to yourself for that small daily promise and keep more consistently than not. Yeah. I, um, I'm always helping hosts and, um, you know, podcasters, journalists with breath work because they lose their voice because they're just speaking from here, their neck (laughs) and taking quick, shallow breaths, where if you take it Mm -hmm. from your diaphragm, you have a full breath, you can, you know, deliver stronger, you can have a better tone to your voice, all of the good things that you want. And also it protects your vocal cords. But it's so hard when you're first learning how to breathe, like you said, that laying down is the best technique. So right mm-hmm. before you go to bed, if you practice it, you're already laying down. It's a great time to do it. Um, but then in the car, too, sometimes I would just keep my hand on my stomach as I drove mm-hmm. just to feel, yeah. am I breathing from my diaphragm? So that was yes. always a good place to keep breathing was in the car. Um, if someone doesn't have the finances to seek professional help, um, what can, what advice can you give them um, to be able to get on this path of of healing? One of the reasons why, you know, my initial journey began on social media was because it it was that equalized access, of course, assuming that everyone has access to a cell phone, which I know isn't always the case. Um, Though for, for for my mindset was, for people who do, right, here you have the opportunity of a free platform and you have a global audience. And the reality I was really coming to terms with was, you know, outside of the States, which, you know, for whatever your opinion is in terms of its system and its resources, there's other countries in the world that look drastically different and have drastically different levels of access. So for me, um, the free apps that were social media was that level of the playing field. If you had an account, right, you could sign on and you could start to at least expose yourself to some of these, this knowledge. I mean, for some of us, it begins with knowledge. For me, it did. For me, it began with even understanding that I had choice. I was, I came from an environment, from a traditional system of training as well, that once taught us that we didn't have choice because the only thing making choices for us were our genetics. We believe that we were bound by the genes that we were born with or our DNA at birth. Our DNA plays, of course, in, in a role 100%, but so do those these daily choices that you and I have been talking about. Um, we now know that we can have choice by making or changing our environment. So for me, that was groundbreaking piece of information. Oh, wait, I can begin to make new choices. I can change my environment in some way and actually change my symptoms, change my experience of myself or my relationships, whatever it is. Um, for some of us, that's the shift in healing. And that's, that was just a piece of information, right. That maybe set someone on a journey of reading, of exploring, of reading books, of taking in consuming information that allowed them to implement new choices in their life. And for a lot of this information, it is coming now free. There are places that you can access this information. 
And then of course there's the tools. Um, what tools can we begin to do practically that maybe are free of charge? Are there things like breath work we're talking about? Maybe I don't have the breath work coach, but maybe I can learn how to do breath work, or maybe I can find a free breath work group in my community. And again, a lot of practitioners are beginning to offer free services, are becoming very well aware of the lack of access and are offering these more accessible opportunities to find the tools, to find the community, and to ultimately find the healing. And for me, it begins with that empowerment. And that's not to say, right, that not having finances isn't a stress in and of itself. It absolutely is. I mean, we're we're all living to some extent through the last two years that have been what COVID is, right? A lot of us are having our security, our financial security, our, you know, our income, our, our, our work is being threatened. And that in and of itself might be causing the dysregulation in the nervous system, might making these tools that you and I have been talking about incredibly important for you on your healing journey. I love it. Um, Guys, if you want to enroll in the self-healer circle, you can sign up. There is a wait list, right? Yes. Enrollment right now for the circle is wait list only. We had uh, enrollment issues with the amount of people interested in enrolling. So <laughs> if you hop on my website, theholisticpsychologist.com, you will see an enrollment, jump on the waitlist email, I should say link. Um, and then once you're on that waitlist, you'll be actually delivered to your inbox, helpful tools. We'd like to give, you know, healing content in that waitlist while people are waiting, because we do know people wait a bit. The uh, circle opens three times a year. And then everyone on that waitlist will be given all of the instructions on what enrollment will look like. Essentially, it's really simple. A link comes to your inbox. Um, and everyone who is on that waitlist will have an opportunity to enroll when the circle opens on January 1st for the new year. I love it. Um, the website is theholisticpsychologist.com, as she said. Instagram at the.holistic.psychologist. We'll put a link to all of this in the summary. Um, what do you do for fun? I, I think I have fun all the time, to be honest. And, and part of that is an indicator of my journey in and of itself, because there was a time where very stressed out me didn't have fun. Couldn't even have answered this question. Um, so I'm answering in this very global, silly way to start, um, only to kind of acknowledge that the fact that I can even begin to now tell you what it is I do for fun is big for me. Fun enjoyment wasn't part of my survival mode and it isn't part of our survival mode for many of us listening. So this is just my little uh, kind of takeaway message for people who struggle to have fun and maybe can't answer this question. Like I once couldn't, chances are, again, your body is locked in survival. Fun is not on the docket yeah. when your nervous system thinks it's surviving. So to the answer to the question is, um, I love nature. I love being present with my loved ones. I love painting. Um, I'm actually getting into my body a little bit more and learning how to move my body in a bit freer of a way, not in a structured yoga session, which was my first entry into my body embarking or debarking from my spaceship into my body. Now I'm starting to experiment with how to just be spontaneously in my body. Um, those are all things that I do for fun. How cool. Even just that was just amazing because I have always found I had a hard time with that, even though I am a fun person. I can be fun in environments where I have to be. Like if work, if it's a work thing, oh, forget it. I'm there. But to create it on my own, ooh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. 
I actually was the child too, where, and I understand this now, it used to bother me at the time where I was the person, even through my teenage years, even through my twenties, I was the person who would get the comment, smile a little, doesn't hurt. Right. So I even reflected my lap. I even reflected my lack of fun on my whole physical presentation. And I'm sitting here wondering what the hell these people are talking about. What do you mean? You know, I didn't realize that everything was just so serious and it was of no fault of mine. Your body can't have fun when it thinks it's surviving. It needs to do the things it needs to do to survive. And a lot of us are like that, which is why I'm happy that we, this conversation came to this piece because we shame ourselves, especially in those of us. And I don't have children, so I have no idea. I can't really fully relate to the experience of having a child. A lot of the times this comes up when we do or are around children or have our own children, the playfulness of childhood for a lot of parents is difficult. You can't meet your child in play, in fun. And then we begin to shame ourselves and wonder what's happening, wondering why we are so serious. And again, most of the time, the answer lives in our body. You can't, you can't be anything but serious because your body doesn't think it can. Are we doing a part three? (laughs) Oh my God, that's so crazy. That's so intense. I understand that so much. I feel like I bucked the system a little because for me, I was always smiling. If my mom, when she was asked um, her first interview, what was Maria like as a little kid? She was always smiling. And I did. I always smile, but I smile through all the shit too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always smiling. Right. But it it is reflecting the inside. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it is exhausting. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I look forward to about having kids is getting to have fun with them. But now I'm like, damn, am I going to be able to? Because like even Kelsey, remember you came up to me yesterday. I was on my phone. I was doing something. You're like, oh, my God, look at how cute your pants are or whatever. I'm like, hold on. I'm busy. Yeah. And I and I never really do that. But I was so I had to get it out because I would have forgotten in that Mm -hmm. moment. And wouldn't you just do that with your kid too? Like, wouldn't you be so serious all the time? Like I, oh my God, that really connects. That's a whole other episode. That is a whole other episode for parents who are probably stuck in those ways too and don't realize and then feel so much shame and so much guilt. That is intense. And then we have those that can access fun, right? In their nervous system, but for all of the other reasons in their mind, aren't making the choice to in that moment. Like you're saying, I'm on my phone and I, you know, I'm so caught up in the work stress that I just can't be here now. That's where fun happens. I have to first be here. I have to be present when my child comes over and and make the choice that I can put my phone down for five or 10 minutes and then go give myself the opportunity to have fun with my child. The only way to fun is to first be present, which brings us back full circle to why it's so important to be conscious, to be able to be present and say, oh, you know what? I do have a choice in this moment. While I might think that this email is the end all be all and if it doesn't get there in the next five minutes that my life is going to end, I might be able to step back from that initial reaction where I'm shooing my child away and say, wait a minute, that's my old thought. That's an old belief. That's not accurate here. That might That space might allow me the choice to put the phone down, be present to my child, to be available if it's fun or whatever else is to come next. Yeah, wow. Um, I am so grateful that you took so much time with us. Thank you for everything you've shared. Um, thank you for all that you do. Um, I look forward to our next conversation and, um, and just thank you and have an amazing holiday. 
Thank you, Marie. I'm so honored each and every time you you give me this opportunity to connect not only with you, especially now hearing how similar, while yeah. our journeys are very different in terms of what it looked like, where it happened, the players involved, I think at the core, and this is the case for most of us. This is why I share. Yeah, right? This too. is why there is so much healing and telling stories of this nature, because you might look drastically different. You might be on the other side of the world, yet at the core, there's so much similarity. So any opportunity I have to connect with you is is such so valuable to me to connect with your community. So I too am looking forward to a part three at some time. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it. And we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.